Today's episode of Dog Nation Daily is brought to you by Kroger, fresh for everyone. Presented by DogNation.com, this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Here's your host, Brandon Adams. If you will allow me to, I want to begin today's show by briefly revisiting an old topic as a way of setting up a new topic. You may remember that yesterday on the show, for those of you that had a chance to hear yesterday's show, we played some audio from veteran college football writer Andy Staples talking about Georgia and its comparison with Florida and the SEC East. And there was something that Staples said in the midst of that conversation that we didn't make too big of a deal about yesterday that I do kind of want to expand on a little bit today because I think that what Staples says without necessarily meaning to necessarily I think one of the things that Staples says here really demonstrates one of the narratives that persists exists around Kirby Smart something we've talked about before but kind of needs to be addressed here once again this is Andy Staples from yesterday and listen to what he says happens if Georgia doesn't win the SEC East this year and doesn't take a step towards competing for the college football playoff this speaks to the pressure that it kind of exists around UGA take a listen to this let's say Florida wins the East Florida beats them in Jacksonville then they should start getting pretty mad they should start saying okay what are we what are we doing here but I really do think things set up pretty well for them so I think this is really interesting that he says, hey, if Georgia does win the SEC East, uh, at that point in time, you should be really worried. At that point in time, you should be saying, hey, what's going on here at Georgia? What's the problem? And to a certain extent, Georgia fans will be saying that. But I think that you uh, know here that if Georgia were to somehow falter this season and and not be back in a major way contending, competing for the college football playoff, it won't just be Georgia fans who are asking what's going on here. There'll be a lot of seizing and pouncing going on. A lot of uh, opposing fans. In some cases, this will be media looking to pounce on Georgia for, hey, what's going on there at Georgia? How come Kirby Smart's such a good recruiter but not getting it done on the uh, field? And it's not because necessarily there's pockets of the media that's anti-Kirby or anti-Georgia. I just think there's a degree of boredom that sets in with things that once we kind and get used to a story we either want that story to take the next you know step in the narrative or we want something new to happen media just kind of gets bored I think that to a degree there's a, a level of boredom that exists with Kirby Smart and what's going on here at Georgia either go ahead and win a national championship or you know in some cases there's going to be just you know questions asked by folks in the media because they just kind of get bored with things kind of moving along at the pace that it might be moving deliberate as it might seem to some of them and there, there's also like the the not media type here but like the SEC fan who looks in on what's going on at Georgia and says, and, and you've all heard like a thousand versions of this, right? It's always the, some version of, you know, uh, Bama fan on a message board, something along those lines saying, you know, Georgia gets all them five stars, but what do they do with them once they get them? And there, there, there's a lot of that that's out there about, hey, what happens to these five stars once they get to Georgia? And this is one of those things where I just think it's objectively true that People wonder where what happens to the five stars once they get to Georgia? What happens to them after that? Here's what I don't think people have fully appreciated. Most of those five stars, a great number of those five stars anyway, that Kirby Smart has recruited over the course of the last few years, folks, they're still at Georgia. And they're coming to their own this season, many of them junior seasons, the kind of spot where you expect the dominant season to take place, the trajectory to kind of, you know, fully come to fruition all of a sudden, you know, guys who've been promising prospects all of a sudden become dominant forces. For a lot of these five-star guys that Georgia has brought in, recruiting headlines they've earned along the way towards doing that, for a lot of those guys, this is the year in which they may all come together in a very
very big way. So I think it's appropriate we talk uh, defense here for a moment because that's where a lot of these guys are. And let's face it, we've been fixated on the offensive side of the ball in many ways with good reasons for Georgia because of what you think may happen with JT Daniels in his first full season as Georgia starter and kind of what happens after the injury to George Pickens and all these stuff, you know, kind of related to all of that. College football has in many ways become an offensive game, so it makes sense that we would have talked so much with the offense. But when you really look at the stuff that's going on on defense or the the preview of what might be going on for uh, Georgia defensively here this fall, it is really worth spending a few minutes on on a day like this. And it is very, very appropriate to say that a lot of the nucleus of this defense here for Georgia this upcoming season, many of those guys will themselves be former five-star recruits. And people wonder, what happens to all them five-stars once they get to Georgia? You're about to find out maybe here in 2021 what happens to those five stars once they get to Georgia, once they go through the strength and conditioning, once they learn everything that Kirby Smart, Dan Lanning wants them to do defensively. You're about to find out maybe if you're not a Georgia fan, if you're a Bama fan or an Auburn fan or a Florida fan or whomever else, you're about to find out what happens to uh, many of these five stars once they get to Georgia. They may be ready to blossom right there before your eyes. One of those guys in particular I want to talk about for a moment is N'Kobe Dean, five-star linebacker who is not going through spring practice right now. He's uh, overcoming a little bit of a shoulder injury. I'm always fascinated when Kirby Smart, I've told you this before, when Smart brings either something up that's unsolicited, when you know he's asked about one thing and says another, or when Smart is clearly ready to answer a question without any kind of hesitation, I'm always interested in that because it seems to sort of demonstrate something. And let me give you an example. When Kirby Smart met with reporters last week, the question with Kirby is, hey, with everything going on on defense, who's your leader right now on defense? Listen to how quickly Kirby Smart is able to, to say who the clear leader of the Georgia defense is right now, even though it's a guy that's not currently practicing here this spring. I, I think there's something to be taken from this from Kirby Smart. Take a listen. Who is the field general on the defense right now? Well, Kobe's the field general. He's not out there. You know, so you say, who is it? It's it's done by committee. It's, uh, you know, when you don't have a really good player out there, it allows other people to step up. So listen, we talked about this with Terrence Edwards a little bit yesterday. It's undoubtedly true that part of the reason why Smart is so quickly able to answer Nakobe Dean in a question like that is because the position that Dean plays as that inside linebacker, he's got extra responsibilities, things like that. So to a degree, we kind of understand that. Yet there's a lot of different ways that Kirby Smart could have taken that question. And yet when he was asked, who's your, to use the phrase the questioner used, who's your field general, Smart didn't take one second to think, hmm, who is my field general? Well, Nakobe Dean is obviously the field general, but he's not out there right now boy that's a pretty nice compliment for a guy that's not currently going through spring practice and by the way Dean's one of these former five-star guys who's been good in his career at Georgia up to this point in time a tackling machine in many ways for Georgia in his sophomore season of 2020 but if Smart's saying those kinds of things now about a guy who's not even able to practice here this spring my gosh folks how good does he have a chance to be for this upcoming junior season? Well, Smart went into some more detail during his press conference uh, last Saturday about exactly what is happening for Dean while he's not able to practice. And I'm telling you right now, you listen to this kind of stuff from Kirby, you are really left to believe Sky could clearly be the limit for a guy like Dean, one of these former five-star guys. Take a listen to this. Kobe still takes walk-through reps. He takes every minute rep. I've never had a player probably in all my career coaching that was more engaged you know, you have to stay on certain guys when they're injured to stay engaged. And Kobe's calling things out. Like, he's playing linebacker every play and making the call from the sideline. You can hear him. You, you, he's engaged. He's on top of it. And plus, he gets reps in individual and walkthroughs. So, I feel good about the work he's putting in. I mean, I'm sorry. 
that sounds like a player I very much want to see more of here this fall. If, if, if that's the kind of command and control that Dean has over the situation, that defense, the clear field general, and if he's getting a chance to learn, because I, th- I think one of the things we misunderstand sometimes is the, the, the benefit that can be gained when you're not going through the physical part of football, when you're able to solely focus on the, on the mental part. I'm not saying it's a good thing that Dean's injured and not playing, but it can be a pretty valuable asset to be able to learn without having to think about the, the physical things that you have to do. You know, you can learn by watching and Dean getting a chance to do that, but he's not just a spectator to these practices, as Kirby Smart just said there. That's a former five-star who is going to be a big part of the Georgia defense here this season. If you wonder how good the Georgia defense can be, let your mind wander for a moment just along the lines of uh, what Kirby Smart just said there about the the threshold of achievement that's possible for N'Kobe Dean here this upcoming season. But wait, that's not all. Did you get a chance to hear Tuesday's show here on uh, Dog Nation Daily when we had a chance to talk to the great former Georgia outside linebacker Aziz Ojolari? Ojolari had a gigantic year sacking the quarterback for Georgia this past season. He's going to be a first-round pick in this year's NFL draft because of that. But when Aziz Ojolari looks at what's left at Georgia now that he's gone, Aziz does not see an outside linebacker room that's hurting for talent. He sees guys like Nolan Smith, Adam Anderson, both, by the way, former five-star recruits who he thinks can have very big seasons. In fact, he gives you a statistical parameter for one of these two guys, which I think is pretty interesting. He also mentions Robert Beal here, there as well. So if you want to keep the conversation going about five-star recruits powering this Georgia defense for this upcoming season, Aziz Ojolari gave you some real ammunition for that on Tuesday's show. This is Aziz. Yeah, I expect them to dominate, definitely for sure, next season coming up. I expect them to dominate. The, the standard is there for them to set and go after it. And, you know, all the boys could play. So, Rob, definitely, I expect Rob to get out there, make big plays. Noah Smith, for sure. And I, I know Adam. Adam is on a different level. I believe Adam throw up some crazy numbers up there. With it. I, I believe Adam could get in double digits of sacks and Nolan, too. So, it, it should be a great, great time watching those boys. I can't wait to watch them play. I mean, how much do you love the thought of that? Aziz Ojolari saying, oh, yeah, I, I definitely could see Adam Anderson getting double-digit sacks, and I could see Nolan Smith doing the same thing. As I said before, both former five-star recruits. I'm telling you, this is a really interesting situation, and I'm not going to downplay the you know, the issues of the Georgia secondary, the need to find cornerbacks, the the need to get some help there on the on the you know the heels of losing so many people off the roster from you know last year's team, so many players that were big-time contributors. I'm not saying that's not an issue. But sometimes when you look at what's right with the Georgia defense, man, it really makes what's not quite right with the Georgia defense seem a lot less significant. I mean, doesn't it? When you talk about five-star guys like N'Kobe Dean and Adam Anderson and Nolan Smith all earning their own level of praise from guys like Aziz Ojolari and Terrence Edwards from yesterday's show and Kirby Smart going last week, makes you really feel good. And then I'll just quickly say this. Isn't it interesting that I just spent however many minutes talking about these guys and I didn't even mention Trayvon Walker. But if you go back and listen to Kirby Smart, you know, way from the beginning of the spring, you know, he was talking about Walker being one of those guys that when you look at the productivity from from Aziz Ojolari not here, it was Kirby Smart said, hey, listen, don't forget Trayvon Walker in that situation there as well, even though from a position standpoint, he's obviously a little bit different than what Aziz Ojolari brought to the table. That is a really, really fun thing to consider. The Georgia defense could be in very good hands. A lot of folks who wonder. What happens to all those five stars once they get to Georgia? Well, they're still here. Many of them are. And many of them could be on the verge of breakout seasons. And won't that be fun to watch later on this fall? 
My name is Brandon Adams, and this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans, presented today by Kroger and Glad to have you with us, no matter how. You get to us today live on video, 10 a.m., Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch, all kinds of video platforms, podcast platforms all over the place as well, Apple, Google, Spotify, worldfamousdognation.com, everything else all the way around there. Just really happy to have you with us. Our friends on the radio, of course, in Athens on Athens Sports Radio 960, the ref. So much fun to be a part of the uh, uh, program with you, no matter how you're getting to us. And a big thanks to Kroger for making it all possible. You know, one of the things I love about Kroger right now is the way in which they make the shopping experience easier, more convenient. When you have family and everybody's busy and obviously over the course of the last year so healthy and safe, also one of those things that's been heavy on our mind. Anything that our friends at Kroger can do to make it easier has just been certainly a, a huge blessing. Well, how about the uh, kind of the next step and all of that? And many of you have taken advantage of this, the chance at free pickup. You can shop online, you can uh, you know choose a pickup time that's convenient for you. Kroger's going to carefully select all your items for your uh, particular order, and uh, they're going to bring it out right there to your car for you on, you know, um, it's just an unbelievable deal. You can go to Kroger.com, find a whole lot more about this on those orders of $35 or more and be a part of a free pickup from our friends at Kroger. A very, very good thing. Uh, taking good care of you, picking out great items for you, and giving you a chance to sort of drive up at whatever time you choose, have that stuff de- de- delivered right there to you. Really good stuff. Kroger pickup. Make sure you check that out here today. All right. It's Jeff Sintel talking some UGA recruiting here coming up in just a little bit. Uh, we'll kind of get into a lot of the recruiting news, including a really interesting piece that Jeff wrote on the big name for the class of 2023, Lebius Overton. We'll do that with uh, Jeff Sintel here coming up in just a moment. Before that, though, I do want to go around the doghouse here today. And I mentioned a moment ago the issue with the Georgia secondary. And it is clearly one of those issues that has to be addressed, no matter how much you you know, may enjoy the idea of a lot of these former five stars in the front seven, what they may do for Georgia this season. That doesn't mean that you don't have concern about what's going to happen for the Georgia secondary. And Georgia took a big step towards fixing some of those issues or addressing some of those concerns when you brought in Tyke Smith, former All-American defensive back out of the West Virginia program, a guy that was Thorpe Award semifinals. By now, you're fairly familiar with the resume that that Tyke Smith brings to UGA. Well, this week it was interesting to hear from Georgia safety Chris Smith, one of those guys that will you know, potentially be playing alongside Tyke Smith here this season. And obviously, Chris Smith, speaking on behalf of the uh, rest of the uh, Georgia secondary, certainly sounds like Christopher and the rest of his crew very glad to have Tyke Smith in the fold. This is what Christopher Smith said about his new teammate, Tyke Smith, a little earlier this week. I mean, I talked to him a little bit before he committed, and then on the, uh, the day he committed, I just con- congratulated him and uh, welcome to the family. You know, a little bit of film I have seen on him. Uh, he's a spectacular player, you know. Real physical, real great in coverage and things like that. He could definitely help our team. He's a great player. Here's one of the things I think is really cool, that when it comes to Tyke Smith and the fact of the matter is, I mean, you think of him as potentially a nickelback, like a star type player, but you could also potentially see him as a safety there as well. Well, safety is also Christopher Smith's position. So there are some people out there in the football world that might view the arrival of Tyke Smith as a threat to Christopher Smith or threat to anybody else when it comes to playing time. This guy is not just here to help my team, but he's here to kind of take playing time away from me. And let's face it, that's precious. You know, there's not enough that to go around as it is on a deep roster like Georgia. You know, there are some football situations out there where a guy like Tyke Smith might not quite be welcomed into a new roster by his uh, new teammates. But you hear Christopher Smith saying there that, yeah, I did reach out to him to let him know I was glad he was here. In fact, in that same press conference, you know, Christopher Smith went a little further into detail about the fact that, hey, there's no jealousy here or no concern about, you know, any kind of, you know, fight for playing time. This is about, as a team, being as good as we can be. And frankly, you love to hear that from a Georgia guy, a little more from Christopher Smith on that topic. 
Well, it's fully accepted by me. You know, I'm uh, welcome uh, welcome anything that can help our team. He's one of those guys, you know, uh, All-American and things like that, you know. And the competition going to be increased in the room. It's going to force all of us to play better, um, including him. And, you know, we always ready to work, everybody in there. So, you know, competitiveness is the name of the game. You know, you just got to go out there and compete day in and day out. And that's all I'm about. I just think that's really good. Uh, great stuff from a guy in Christopher Smith, who I think is a good player in his own right. And the fact that a good player welcomes in another good player, even someone who's maybe to a degree a little similar than he is, similar to what he is, I think that's uh, all really good stuff all the way around. So it was great to hear from Georgia Safety Christopher Smith a little earlier this week. Before I say hello to Jeff Sintel, let me remind you that all of this coverage of spring practice coming from the great city of Athens, and many of you know how great Athens is. In fact, you want to live there, or you want to retire there, or you want to uh, get an investment property there because you know how hot the real estate market is when it comes to all of that kind of stuff. Well, let me tell you this. If you get involved in Athens real estate, here's the thing you need to understand, that to have a local expert on your side, someone who knows the the specific details of the Athens real estate situation. That's what you want. That's what my friends at Five Market Realty are going to be able to provide for you. They've got expert and local knowledge of this particular market, whether it's what people who want to move there, retire there, uh, investment properties, everything else. Game day condo is kind of a hot thing right now. They can do that for you. Airbnb properties, you know, for those of you that, that love the idea of taking advantage of that and making some, you know, investment money related to all that, you get a chance to do that. If you're looking for a property in Athens, my friends at Five Market Realty are the ones that know it all from the, you know, all of the, across the board of what's available to you there. So website to go to, it's 5mrealty.com, 5mrealty.com. Five Market Realty was one of the 2021 Bulldog 100 lists. So these are good dog people. They love UGA football. They'll talk Georgia football with you. But most importantly, they'll talk about the city of Athens with you, the hot spots to live, the best places to invest, those game day condos, what a cool thing that is kind of uh, that you can take advantage of right now. Just really good stuff with my friends at Five Market Realty. So please check them out online. 5M Realty. That's number five. 5MRealty.com. And they can set you up here today. All right. It's great to have you with us on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Kroger. There is a lot going on with UGA recruiting. So we want to kind of touch on all of that. And we'll kind of take a look at what could happen next as the 2022 cycle rolls on here and some 2023 news there as well. So it's Jeff Sintel here on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Kroger. Glad to have you with us as well. From Athens and across the SEC or wherever the recruiting trail may lead, here's a DogNation.com insider. We'll say hello to Jeff Sintel here. And, you know, Jeff, I want to talk a lot of recruiting with you, obviously, here on this Friday. But I do want to bring you in on a discussion I was just having before you came on that I don't think a lot of the non-Georgia fans quite realize this. They sort of wonder, you know, what happens to all those five-star recruits once they get to UGA. And I don't think people have fully appreciated how many of those guys are actually still here. And that when you look at a... Georgia defense that wants to match, you know, with the very best offenses in the country for this upcoming season, you know, and obviously there's legitimate questions in UGA secondary, but as I talked a good bit about before you joined us, when you think about N'Kobe Dean and Adam Anderson and Nolan Smith and, and Trayvon Walker, to have these former five-star guys who serve as the nucleus there in the front seven for this defense, I think that's potentially a very exciting recipe. We had Aziz Ojolari, as you know, on our show earlier this week. He predicted the potential of double-digit sacks for both Anderson and for Nolan. Uh, Kirby Smart's praise N'Kobe Dean for his leadership. Trayvon Walker just seems to be able to do a little bit of everything. What an interesting group for Georgia this upcoming season, right? Yeah. Uh, good morning to you, Brandon. Uh, that's a meaty topic with a lot of stuff on the bone. I, I, think, I, th- I, think, I, I think I would call this a validation year, but also there's going to be a lot of book 
kind of like benchmarks to watch. Like, everybody's wondering, you know, why hasn't Nolan Smith acted like the number one player in the country? Why hasn't Adam Anderson acted like and played like and had the snaps of a five-star outside linebacker in the 2018 class? And I think a lot of, largely a lot of the, that reason is due to Aziz Ojolari. So if, if Aziz Ojolari, remember, Georgia had so many players, Jermaine Johnson, Aziz Ojolari, uh, Nolan Smith, Adam Anderson, uh, Robert Beal, that, that kind of was one of the reasons why Brenton Cox quickly just decided there were there was a better place for him than in Athens, just the amount of depth uh, that had been stacked up in the 2017, 18, and 19 classes. And then you've got, then you've got simply, I think, a lot of dominoes, Brandon. Aziz Ojolari gets picked in the first round that everybody can go, oh, okay, that's why those guys weren't playing. He was an all-SCC player. Uh, and then I think the number to hit for Georgia is about 30 sacks. If you can see, uh, and I'm going kind to, of, it's kind of odd because I'm going to go across three names, and one of them is not even at Georgia. One of them is Jermaine Johnson at Florida State. Uh, one of them is Adam Anderson and Nolan Smith at Georgia. You put all those guys together, and if all of a sudden those guys put together about 30 sacks, which I think that is highly likely that those guys can get 30 sacks. I mean, Jermaine Johnson might get six in a game against a Wake Forest or a North Carolina State uh, playing in the Atlantic Coast Conference. So, you know, I just think a lot of people are going to see validation from a lot of those guys. Uh, you know, Brandon, you, you bring up all those 2018 and 2019 names, and a lot of those guys are going to be draft eligible. And, and really, you're looking, you know, past the 2021 season, uh, you know, a lot of these guys had had to wait their turn. Like Monty Rice was here, Tay Crowder was here. Both of those guys fulfilled the reason why maybe a Channing Tindall, maybe a, a Nicobe Dean wasn't everywhere on every snap during their first two seasons at Georgia. But I think this is really a, what the kids would call a bag year or a money year for a lot of these guys to really make their resumes for the NFL. And listen, I would never try to sell people on the idea that all four of those names we just talked about, Anderson, Nolan, uh, Trayvon Walker, Nicobe Dean, they're not all four going to be superstars. But boy, Jeff, it seems hard for me to imagine that at least one of them, maybe more than one of them, could not have that kind of big time, you know, top shelf type of type of year. And, you know, around these parts, we've seen what happens when all of a sudden the guy just kind of, you know, puts a team on his back. And you give me that quartet of names of having at least one guy emerging from that as a household name within SEC circles by the end of the season. All of a sudden, the entire fortunes of this Georgia defense are just changed by that. Yeah, I mean, and you know what, Brandon, part of it is just the way we are as a culture and the way we look at the Georgia team. I mean, we're sitting here talking about N'Kobe Dean maybe being a breakout. Well, it could be argued that N'Kobe already was a breakout guy last year. If you look at the way he graded out, if you look at the way he was a Butkus Award semifinalist uh, last year and his first really only year of being a, an exclusive, you know, first, second, and third down player, N'Kobe's always been great in pass coverage and You've got a guy with, and then a guy like Walker and a guy like Nolan. Here's the big thing, Brandon. Those guys were always the young kid trying to go against older starters in the SEC. And now, by and large, they're going to be as old as anybody they go up against. And I'm really big on, uh, no matter how talented they are, I'm really big on the 18 year old, 19 year old kid always being a disadvantage against a 20, 21, 22 year old senior, um, especially in the trenches. And now, the older, bigger, faster, stronger, wiser player, all those guys are in at least their third season at Georgia, and there's not going to be a lot of dudes that can match up with them physically, um, scheme-wise, football IQ. 
I mean, they used to be kind of playing at a disadvantage because of their age. Now there will be no disadvantages, and I think that's what, what gets Georgia fans excited about seeing all those guys turn loose where they've been coached up, they've been lifted up in Sinclair's house of pain, and they know what to do. So I want to change the subject here and talk to UJ Recruiting here for a moment, including a piece that you had at Dog Nation this week with Levius Overton. Uh, the very, let's talk about pass rush, very impressive pass rush or defensive end time out of the class of 2023. One of the things that I kind of take from your story is, I mean, it goes without saying that Georgia would be aggressive here, but just how aggressive that Georgia's looking to be to kind of make their mark with Overton. This is a very interesting prospect and one of those names I'm guessing that you and I will be talking about a lot in the months to come. Yeah, Brandon, this guy's different. And I, I wasn't just kind of trying to scheme up a really nice headline to make folks click. I mean, Brandon, you and I have been doing this, I don't know, a lot of shows now, man, a lot of shows now. How often have we heard about Kirby Smart's band of black belt recruiters yeah. deciding to deciding to give a five-star the recruitment of a five-star to just one player? I mean, to just one member of the staff. That's that's Scott Cochran with uh, with Levius Overton, and you know it's pretty it's a pretty smart pun on word to your play because um, Levius Overton's father is currently the athletic director at Kennesaw State, former Oklahoma lineman. His mother is a former volleyball player at Kentucky. Lots of good athletic DNA there. Uh, but he was in Tuscaloosa as an ad- athletics administrator from 2009 to 2015. And if that's not a lot of opportunities for him to get to know Scott Cochran when he was on the Tuscaloosa staff uh, at Alabama, I don't know what is. Um, that might be a long-term relationship that George is certainly parlaying here. And uh, I, know, I know, Brandon, you, you're probably a big fan of you want Kirby, you want Lanning, you want uh, Trey Scott, you want everybody talking to a, a prospect, including Cochran. But I think this is interesting, and I think it's very calculating for a, a guy like Overton, man. And, and the other wrinkle in this very unique story is, if that wasn't enough, is the guy legitimately is going to play both sports in college. Uh, he's gotten true dual sport offers from Ohio State, North Carolina, um Stanford now of all places hmm. and I think when I wrote that piece everybody was wondering like hey man can can Tom Crean get on the on the dog phone and give this young man a can, can somebody send him an email or a really cool edit that says he's offered because that's that's one card everybody's going to need to have to play uh in terms of the chase for Lebius Overton and another thing Brandon is he's rated as an outside linebacker but I mean Brandon this guy's like a parent at Disney World as many calories as he burns every day man I yeah. mean he is, he is like, he's six three and a half. I don't know if he's quite six four. I think maybe he might have been a, a smidge smaller than maybe a lot of people thought, would have thought when he was at the Under Armour camp a couple weeks ago. And he was against the, next to a bunch of other top guys. But his production is unparalleled. 21 and a half sacks as a sophomore at Milton in Georgia's 7A football. But the fact that he's an all-state caliber basketball player on a state champion 7A Milton basketball team and Brennan, right now, he's, he's, he's big time on the AAU schedule, uh, playing for a team sponsored by Nike. And he has told me pretty much matter-of-factly that he's going to do both. And that's just another thing. And then, the, and then the other wrinkle, Brennan, is he's 265 with all this training he does already in high school as a sophomore. You know what we say, Brennan, if a young man is already 265 pounds in high school, yeah. much, less your, much less your sophomore year, that to me does not equate to being an outside linebacker, being a jack, playing out on the edge. That equates to being a, a very terrific, sensational 
uh, type uh, interior defensive lineman that may flex out a little bit uh, as a five technique as well. No, I think that's really interesting. Why do you think it is we're talking about basketball so much these days, a lot of these recruits? Because I don't know that that trend is necessarily, you know, across the state or the or the region overall in terms of, you know, overall numbers for basketball. I mean, I hear coaches tell me sometimes they're a little bit concerned about their basketball numbers in terms of, you know, who's coming out for the sport right now. But it seems like when it comes to the population of elite football recruits, you and I are talking about basketball more than we used to. Why do you think that is, if there is a reason at all? The other thing, Brendan, is the big guys, which yeah. is, like, totally different. You don't hear a lot of receivers. You don't hear a lot of running backs. I mean, Emmanuel Henderson was one. Um, Terry on Arnold was one, but like most of the time, that's what you would expect. But you remember Trayvon Walker, you got Labius Overton yep. now. These are a lot Jaylen of guys. Carter was a ba- like, Jalen Carter was a good basketball player. Yeah. A lot of these guys are like six, five. And what it is, is they're among the best athletes in their school and they end up getting a lot of basketball time. I think, I think if I, if I went down my Rolodex of all the, all, all the guys I've covered that are in the NFL, uh, a lot of them, low-key, Brandon, think that they could have made it uh, to the SEC level, at least in basketball. Now, whether that's true or not, uh, we'll never know or we'll never find out. But everybody everybody harbors the fact that they could have been great on the basketball court as well, um, no matter how tall they were or no matter how great their outside shot was. It is but funny, Jeff. I, and I, I mean, I've, heard, I've certainly heard this, too. Like, I'd give anything to be as good at anything as some of these football players think they were at basketball. And I'm not saying that – obviously, Overton's a really good player. And a lot of guys, you know, that we've encountered are really good players. But there is no shortage of football players who are very happy to tell you how good they think they are at basketball. I'd, be, I'd give anything to be as good as they think they were in some of these cases. Yeah, and it, it's funny, Brandon. A lot of them get around the locker room and talk, whether it's early oh, yeah. in the morning. And they, oh, yeah. And they, they said, and it's either, man, I could dunk, or do you see my YouTube clips, or do you see my Instagram clips about dunking? Or now it's all about Madden, man. Everybody thinks they're a five-star Madden player. And currently, from, from what I hear, there's a raging debate amongst the Georgia team about who's the best in Madden. The quarterbacks always think they're the best. The receivers always think they're the best. The defensive players also believe they're undefeated. And it's funny, all these guys with the Georgia background and they're at the University of Georgia, when they get on the Madden 6, what do they do? They throw the ball all the time. They throw the ball all the time. (laughs) It's like whatever you got, whatever you got, you want to do something else. That's like whatever's greener on the other side of the fence. I got more recruiting talk with Jeff Sintel coming up. Let me quickly remind you, though, that we're only a two-hour drive from the beautiful properties, Harris Cherokee Casino Resort, Harris Cherokee, Cherokee Valley River. You know, the book is open, sports gaming there in the beautiful mountains of western North Carolina. That means the big golf tournament this weekend. Hint, hint, nudge, nudge. You can go up there and get some action on that if you want to, you know, do some of that kind of stuff. Obviously, Major League Baseball is uh, running here. You can get some, you know, action down on that there as well. Plus, take advantage of the socially distant gaming floor the gourmet restaurants the world-class shopping the really luxurious spa all of that Uh, just a great getaway whether it's the original harris cherokee casino resort or harris cherokee valley river uh there in western north carolina beautiful place to be website to go to Harris, I should say Caesars.com slash Harris-Cherokee. That's Caesars.com slash Harris-Cherokee. You can find out a whole lot more about Harris Cherokee Casino Resort. Uh, Jeff, a couple of things here. First of all, let's talk about Branson Robinson recently put out his you know list of finalists. Georgia obviously included in that. But in addition to that, I think it's kind of interesting. It seems like we got a lot of 
finalists drop in the last few days. I, I guess I'm struggling to remember all of them. I know Walter Nolan, you know, uh, Branson Robinson, I guess, maybe uh, as prominent as anything here. But it seems like we got a lot of guys dropping a list of finalists kind of right there on us on the last week. Was there any kind of coordination around this? Was there anything to that when it comes to, uh, you know, you know, Robinson and everybody else who kind of, you know, kind of went, went ahead with this kind of stuff? You know, Brandon, can I be completely honest with you? Yeah. Here's what's happening. They're just bored, man. Yeah. Like, they're tired of all this recruiting. They're tired of all these Zooms. They're tired of all these virtual visits. And in some ways, these top fives are kind of like a deflector shield to speak Star Wars language like we do sometimes about, okay, if you're not in the bubble, then, you know, the, the calls and the weekly calls and the, the hangout sessions are probably not going to happen. I want These players want to focus on a certain amount of schools. But this is really, uh, you know, what, what could be the, the dead period inside a dead period? I think it's right now because nobody really wants to make a decision with visits now. You know, we're in April, so you got all of April and all of May. Nobody wants to make a decision now. And, and really in a lot of cases, except for the elite guys, really none of these schools want to make a decision until they get them on campus and can get their in-person evals for a lot of these kids. Um, the, the thing here is, I, I laugh at this, Brandon, because as much in my time, how hard it was to get a kid to take an official visit, especially when the rules relaxed where you could have some spring official visits. Everybody only took one or two, and they were saving the big ones for the fall. I mean, I mean, Brandon, it is almost like those commercials we saw growing up for your favorite furniture store for the day after Christmas sale or whatever, or that big Black Friday sale where – there's a guy in a, in, a, in a wheelchair, and there's another guy in an arm sling. He's like, I did it two years ago. I did it a year ago. Yeah. These kids are having a mad dash, like a Black Friday. You insert your favorite retail or electronic store chain giant here uh, to get a $99 Xbox or something. They're going five in a row. They're going back to back to back to back. Brandon, there was a tight end for the 2023 class. I don't know if you saw it on uh, social media. You would have probably guffawed if you saw it. He's a highly ranked tight end, and he put out a graphic, an edit, of his month of June. And he's visiting like 30 schools, 35 wow. schools in the month of June. He's, he's catching Ohio State and Michigan in the same day. I don't even know if that was possible. He's catching Notre Dame and Michigan State in the same day. I mean, he's got a calendar full of unofficial visits uh, for, the month of, for the month of June. And he's just a 2023 kid. I mean, you want to go overboard once the gates go up and you can you can get back on these campuses. I think that's what's going to happen. You'll see some players trickle into G-Day. They'll have to get their own tickets. There'll be a limited sample size of people folks that can get tickets anyway to G-Day. But once that June 1 um, opens up, you, you remember, Brandon, in the, the basketball culture or the high school football culture, everybody would have that, that midnight madness type sure. thing or some, some, you know, renegade, you know, very hard charging, uh, get after them, coach. They would have a practice at twelve oh one underneath the lights or whatever. Oh yeah, I'd imagine. I'd imagine that's what June the first is going to feel like with these kids coming on campus as much as they can. But Brandon, I, I can't conceive it. Like a lot of these players have, you know, a lot of these Georgia targets are in Georgia for the first week. Then they go to another school, another school, another school. It's like they're all fearful that uh, the NCAA is going to take away those visits again, or something might happen with the pandemic. So everybody wants to get their five in, or at least their two or three or four, um, before June runs out, because it's almost like they're wandering through the desert, starving, uh, like, like they're, they're in part of the Oregon <laughs> Trail Man or something like that, trying to avoid cholera and dysentery, 
and they're trying to find a way to get those visits in because they, they've been starving for so long for something that resembles anything like that. I want to finish with this. This is a name that you and I probably haven't talked about enough. There's been so much chatter about him on the you know, the social media. I like to talk about the online chatter, things like that. There's clearly been a lot of that around Kamari Wilson, the uh, safety, who I guess has a uh, Georgia visit here coming up pretty soon. He's also been dropping his you know list of finalists there as well. You can see that on your screen for those of you watching on video. It seems like for a while he was trending on something a little bit bigger than, you know, list of finalists and things like that. And I, I don't know, it seems like now maybe he's kind of pumped the brakes a, a, a little bit. There's obviously a big time player and there's a little bit of, you know, chatter around, you know, Georgia, whatever else. You know, can you, can you just kind of give us a little bit of a thumbnail with what is going on with Kamari Wilson and maybe what some people thought was going to be more than just, uh, you know, list of finalists or whatever else. And maybe kind of now maybe, I don't know, slowing down a little bit. Am I reading all that correctly when it comes to Wilson? Well, he had the April 1 committing tweet or Instagram post, and really he didn't commit. He didn't even commit to an All-American game, I don't believe, on that day. And then he comes out about a week later with the top 12. I believe it was the top 12. Um, you know, you, you mentioned a lot of those, Brandon. There's also Jordan Allen with his yeah. top six. Uh, Lockdown Allen, one of the best names in any class. Jake Pope had his top eight. Uh, really, really, I think, strong, really unheralded uh, safety out of out of Buford inside the state of Georgia. But but with Wilson, I gotta say two names. I think it's also Coach Boom uh, and Coach Yeah. I think I think coaches like Scott Cochran and uh, even Will Muschamp are really paying a dividend for uh, for what they're doing for Georgia. I think the fact that um, I think the fact that Muschamp and you can say whatever you want about Muschamp man, but the one thing he has he maybe he hasn't been able to do is find the right offensive coordinator, find the right offensive attack, find the right quarterbacks. But you want to talk about a guy that knows how to recruit box players, front seven players? I mean, it was no secret that uh, – I hope it dawned on you, Brandon, but when Georgia kept losing Zach Pickens and Georgia kept losing um, you know, Jordan Birch uh, and Rick Sanders, yeah. all these players to South Carolina, I don't think it was the upgrades they've made to the campus or the international business school right. or – Maybe they just maybe they decide. Speaking of a desert, that Williams Bryce Stadium is a great place to play college football. I think a lot of that had to do with Coach Muschamp and the way he um, relates to young men and recruits young men, and especially on the defensive side of the ball, especially those guys that will play uh, at the backer position or on the front or along the front lines. He has a definite acumen for that. And Brandon Kamari Wilson, let me see if I can rev up your taste buds a little bit here. IMG player. Uh, he's a five-star. He's another guy for the for the safety position. Georgia likely will have again a lot of turnover there at safety uh, after this season, and uh, he's another guy. Can you imagine Malachi starts and uh, and uh, Kamari Wilson in the safety class for Georgia in 2022? Um, five-star safeties. They haven't been they haven't been too commonplace on the recruiting boards at Georgia, and then they they might bring in two five-stars in the same class in this 2022 cycle. That's that's really something. A big name worth watching. A guy that's, you know, certainly been making a lot of noise on social media as of late. And folks, curious to see what happens next with all that. Jeff, thanks so much for being here on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Kroger here today. We appreciate your recruiting information. We look forward to reading a lot from you in the days to come at DogNation.com. Seeing you on Wednesdays on Before the Hedges, presented by Kroger. And, of course, getting a chance to chat with you again very soon there as well. Thank you so much, Jeff. Hey, Brandon, have a good weekend and happy Masters Tournament to everybody out there. Hope everybody, like myself, hope we all see a great one. All right, thanks so much, Jeff. Talk to you soon. Let's take a look around the rest of the league. 
This is SEC Through. I believe, for those of you scoring at home, that was a Hootie Johnson impersonation from uh, Jeff there. Uh, one time, uh, Augusta National Chairman. I guess it was two chairmans ago, uh, chairmen ago. Uh, a little bit of a Hootie Johnson impersonation there from uh, Jeff Sintel there on the uh, way out the door, for those of you who were listening closely and watching closely for all of that. Hey, I'm going to do the SEC through here, roll through a uh, good bit of uh, content. Before we do that, though, I think one of the great things that's out there are those people who are working hard to give people a second chance. I believe in second chances. I know many of you are thankful in life for the second chances that you've gotten. And I think one of the really cool things with the law right now is there are some doors opened up where people have a chance at a second chance in a way that maybe years prior they wouldn't be able to do. And that's what second chance law is all about. The website to go to secondchance.law. You can clean up your record. You can erase old uh, convictions. A lot of new Georgia laws allow you for a chance to do that. You can get it restricted off your criminal history. But listen, Reading the law is just confusing, right? I mean, these things are written confusing, uh, and, and so it's kind of hard to follow. But that's what Second Chance Law can do for you. A Second Chance Dot Law has made it into a simple free quiz. So when you go to Second Chance Dot Law, you can just kind of answer the questions they have for you in the quiz, and that'll lead you to an understanding of kind of what your situation is. It only takes a few minutes to determine your eligibility, and if you're not eligible, the good thing about Second Chance Dot Law is they can tell you how you can become eligible, at least uh, potentially, and all that. I'm talking about better employment opportunities, housing opportunities and just a better you know, situation for your life in general. That's what Second Chance Law is able to do. One of the partners is a double dog, two-time graduate of the University of Georgia, former Redcoat, and he's been a Dog Nation Daily listener since we really started way back in 2015. So it's good to do business with good people, uh, dog fans, Big time, you know, supporters of Dog Nation Daily. I'm incredibly grateful for so many of you who want to step up and help so many of the companies who have been with us here for a long time. My friends at secondchance.law can do that for you. It's also just a great service to the community. Nothing more valuable than a second chance. That's what secondchance.law wants to provide for you. All right, SEC through here for a moment. I'm going to try to, you know, roll through this. I saw where Dennis Dodd, CBSSports.com, had a very interesting piece up about what he was calling his top coaches under the age of 45. Kirby Smart no longer under the age of 45, so he's not on the list. But two of the SEC names that didn't make the list, Brian Harson and uh, Josh Heupel, I guess I didn't quite realize that both those guys were that young under the age of 45. Maybe I should. I mean, it seems like it wasn't that long ago that Heupel was playing quarterback for Oklahoma. Harson, you know, much the same way, certainly a young-looking guy. And here's what I was thinking, kind of one thing about Harson, one thing about Heupel, I'll do Harson first. One of the things that got Gus Malzahn in trouble at Auburn this past season was when he talked about being 6-4 and four in a 10-game SEC season. He said, hey, six SEC wins in most years, that's a pretty good year. And a lot of Auburn people, and I'm, my understanding is a lot of Auburn boosters were really turned off by that. They want the program to aspire to something higher than that, and they thought that Malzahn was settling for less than what they think ought to be the standard there for Auburn. And I can understand why they would feel that way. If a Georgia coach had said that, I would have been mad too. Many of you also would have been. But the truth is, is that Auburn, with the exception of like 2010, 2013, has kind of, over the course of the last however many years, kind of struggled to be good. They have they have fought just to simply be good. They haven't really achieved greatness very much. And so now you bring in Brian Harson as kind of the response to Gus Malzahn not doing more than he did. And the fact of the matter is, I mean, Harson deserves a lot of credit for being as good a, you know, as much of a winner as he was at Boise State, as young as he possibly was, I would say that he's a pretty good coaching candidate. I'd be very surprised if he's less than good at Auburn. Auburn's, you know, kind of a little bit of a stable, you know, situation in terms of recruiting base, things like that. Harson, a proven winner. I'd be surprised if he's good. 
But I'd also be surprised if he's great, given the challenges that exist playing George every year, playing the SEC West schedule every year. It almost seems like what Malzahn said about, hey, you know, in most years, six SEC wins is pretty good. Given an eight-game SEC schedule over the course of the next few years, how many times do you reasonably expect Brian Harson, even as a young kind of you know, impressive coaching prospect, how many times do you expect him to win more than six SEC games? I would say the outlook for that's not very good. Then on the other side of this for a moment, the other coach that Dennis Dodd mentioned, CBSSports.com, Josh Heupel. I've told you before, and this is not me just simply throwing red meat out to the, to the audience, giving them what they want to hear. I, I do believe this is true. Tennessee is a mess right now. To say that it's a dumpster fire is a disrespect to dumpster fires. They have no commits for the class of 2022. They've got five players currently suspended. They've got a whole host of big names off last year's roster currently in the transfer portal. One of those guys may be playing against Tennessee for Alabama. I mean, it's as bad as it gets for Tennessee. And all of a sudden, you're going to ask this young, relatively inexperienced head coach to be the guy that fixes all that? If I could buy stock in Hypel failing quickly at Tennessee, I would absolutely scarf up as much as I possibly could. That would be my game stock. Game stock. That'd be my meme stock. If I could, if I could buy stock, if I could short the idea of Josh Hypel at Tennessee, I would do it in a heartbeat. He is too young, too inexperienced, too little pedigree to be the one to solve the problems at Tennessee that have been piling up for year after year after year. That situation there in Knoxville is a mess. Young coach, Heupel, but he may have made a mistake by even taking this job, and he may find that out sooner rather than later. A couple of other SEC stories we'll get to kind of quick here. There's a very interesting piece at ESPN.com this week about the kind of the top spring storylines around the world of college football. And one of the things that got mentioned there, and I think this is going to be something we talk about a lot as you head towards the summer, because most of this stuff does not get settled during spring practice. It's the quarterback competitions that are ongoing. And you've got this stuff like nationally when it comes to Ohio State, who, I mean, right now, I don't think there's anybody that really has this real strong idea who the replacement for Justin Fields is going to be there at Ohio State. There are options, and Ohio State's typically pretty good offensively, but, but that's an unknown right now. And here in the SEC, Texas A&M, what's going to happen with Hades King and, and Jake Calzada is a fascinating, fascinating quarterback competition. A&M has its spring game the same day that Georgia does, and we'll see as you kind of head towards that and after that what Jimbo says in regards to you know which one of these guys may have the lead or anything like that. But uh, some of y'all mock me for you know thinking the Aggies are going to be good this year, but the honest truth is I do believe that's the case. And if you're looking for a team to be a legit threat to Alabama and joining maybe LSU as making the SEC West deep in a way that it probably hasn't been the last couple of years, Boy, what's going to happen there at A&M with that quarterback competition between King and Calzada I think is a pretty big deal. And I would say that if King can win it, just given the fact that he's a better athlete than Calzada, all of a sudden A&M's chances of, uh, of beating Alabama, of, of you know going head-to-head and winning against the Crimson Tide, I think go up there. Now, he's got to be actually better than Calzada to do so. But King, I think, is a very interesting prospect, and that's potentially a very, very interesting um, very interesting quarterback competition that's about to play out over the course of the uh, next few months. One more thing here as part of our SEC through. I thought this was really interesting from uh, Tom Fornelli of CBSSports.com, even though I don't agree with it at all. But it's representative of an argument that's starting to take, take shape here a little bit more frequently. So what Tom Fornelli writes, you may think this sounds totally contrarian, but the fact of the matter is, is I've actually heard a few people echo something similar within the last you know couple of years. The Tom Fornelli thinks that CBS, that, that, that college football 
should get rid of the college football playoff and go back to only having two teams play for the national championship the way that it was back in the BCS era. Now, I would say that I don't agree with this at all. I understand the ways in which the playoff conversation is making the sport worse, and I would say that we've kind of chronicled those around here. The fact of the matter is, you know, rivalry games and good seasons, good January 1st level bowls, they don't get the, the level of attention they once did because the, the playoff conversations kind of sucked the life, the oxygen out of the room when it comes to the college football playoff conversation. I totally understand all of that. That makes a lot of sense to me. But that alone is not enough to say the college football playoff is not, is not good or good for college football. There have been a lot of blowouts in the playoff games the last few years. But that, to me, is not evidence that the playoffs shouldn't take place. That, to me, is evidence that the playoff selection committee's simply choosing the wrong teams. That when you choose teams on simply on the basis of the record they put together in the Power Five conference, regardless of actually who those teams played to win the games they won, you're going to have a lot of paper tigers. You're going to have a lot of illegitimate games that take place in the college football playoff. And, you know, listen, Georgia fans don't necessarily like to revisit all this, but it's fair to point out. Best national championship game, best, you know, maybe playoff overall. Go back to 2017 when Georgia wins the thriller against Oklahoma. The national championship game between Georgia and Alabama kind of goes down to the wire. Very, very competitive game. And that was like the most non-traditional of the playoff years, at least more non-traditional than, than, than most in the fact that, you know, Alabama was able to get in as a second SEC team. Maybe unfair to allow them to do that, but that's, you know, kind of the uh, way that went down. That when you do choose four best, not just – you know, four teams from Power Five conferences who have, you know, pretty records, zeros in the loss column or one in the loss column, and they give a chance at better games. So interesting to note that there is a little bit of movement right now for maybe, a, you know, kind of a, a you know, a, a dissatisfaction with the college football playoff. I'm not one of those people. I'd be okay with actually expanding the playoff to eight teams, but not everybody's in love with the way the playoff is changing the sport right now. At least worth paying attention on that. We'll make that your SEC three. And I have to confess something here as we wrap up today's show. I am totally behind on Golden Shoe Gator Hater Roll Call. I have really just kind of just sort of screwed that up here this week. I've been running around doing a thousand things. My family's been on a spring break this week, so I've been kind of doing that. So a couple of things here real quick. First of all, as it says there on your screen, make sure you subscribe to the Dog Nation YouTube page. Uh, that's a great way to uh, get all the great content from Dog Nation. Uh, but I actually want to do this, if you don't mind. I want to give a golden shoe today to the Diamond Dogs. What an incredible performance for UGA baseball last night. Uh, Kumar Rocker, just a very impressive player. Vanderbilt, number one team in the country. Georgia absolutely ran them out of the stadium, out of the ballpark last night in Nashville. Game many of you watched on the SEC Network. So for beating the team in gold, we'll give a gold shoe to the Diamond Dogs here today. Great job there on that. By the way, speaking of those lousy, stinking Gators, 204 days from right now, Georgia goes back to Jacksonville. We think gets revenge. Have a great weekend, everybody. We'll see you back Monday, Dog Nation Daily, presented by Kroger. And on the podcast, time now for R.S. Andrews Podcast Cooldown. Of course, make sure you check out R.S. Andrews online, rsandrews.com. Air conditioning, heating, plumbing, electric needs this time of year. Let's face it, many folks thinking about that air conditioning unit. You're worried that yours is not going to keep your house cool with the spring and the summer that's on its way. So get the peace of mind you need by getting your system tuned back up to factory fresh specs. You can find them online, rsandrews.com. Don't forget the R.S., stands for rapid service of course the way to participate in the podcast cool down presented by rs andrews is by dropping a line in the comment section at dognation.com when we post the show each and every day or by hitting me up on twitter at dognation daily long show today so a couple quick comments and then we'll get you on out the door because the one thing i really do 
you know, want to try to do is not make the show too long. And I'm respectful of your time and don't want you to feel overwhelmed by the uh, content. So we try to take a few comments, try to keep you uh, a part of the action here, and we'll try not to make it too long. Jermaine King, by the way, reached out on Twitter, giving a shout out to reigning SEC Women's Basketball Coach of the Year, Joni Taylor, gets a couple seniors coming back. Uh, Jermaine says that he's getting flashbacks of Sony and Chubb back in 2017 for the football team. Time for uh, the Lady Dogs to go out for the NCAA title, and that's a great thing to see there. I'm glad Jermaine you know, points that out there on social media. And listen, one of the things I do love is the way in which it seems like the SEC Network has changed everything for, for sports other than football. You know, it used to be that – you know, that all you really had bandwidth for was to cover football because that was the thing that most people kind of cared about. But with the SEC network and the, you know, the alternate channels and the, the, the streaming options, all of a sudden now you have kind of unlimited capacity to, to cover a lot of these sports. And I think it's made it easier to follow women's basketball than it would have been before and baseball and, you know, things along those lines. And so, I mean, it, when, you know, the Lady Dogs made the tournament this year, I kind of said a couple things about that and got a lot of nice feedback about that. There is clearly an appetite to see all the sports programs at Georgia do well. So nice for Jermaine to kind of weigh in on that front. I also thought this was a really interesting comment from Buster on Twitter. And we were talking about yesterday about the Andy Staples line about how the Georgia schedule sets up well this season. This is what uh, Buster says on Twitter. And this is I think this is a, a, a point worth examining a little bit. He says, when it comes to schedule setup, there's a Larry Munson in me, and by that he means you know someone who's kind of prone to see the the less positive side. That was one of the things that Munson was famous for. The Munson in me is worried. We could certainly um, not win in Week One against Clemson. There's no doubt that's potentially true with it just being you know perennial playoff team. Buster's point here is a good one. He says then if you do lose to Clemson, the f- you're going to face a storm of criticism with fans infighting and 14 or so must win games coming after that. I think that's really important. I, I think that's really, really a uh, fair point. That on the one hand, Georgia could lose to Clemson and still make the college football playoff, but to give up your margin for error in Week One would make things really tense the rest of the way. I, I just think that's a really, really fair point. That while it almost seems like the stakes aren't that high tangibly for Georgia against Clemson. As Buster points out, intangibly, they're incredibly important. And as someone who kind of lives with his finger on the pulse of Georgia fans, just kind of seeing how, you know, fans interact with the team because of all the the digital data that we're able to to get here at Dog Nation, there's no doubt that's true, that you will be able to recognize the tension if Georgia loses to Clemson. And it'll be a lot of, you know, same old Georgia, whatever else is going to be said there, but but that is so, so true. The Georgia plays this somewhat of a toss-up game against a very good team week one. You have a really good chance to win it. And if you do, things set up for you so well. But if you don't win that, everything else feels just a little bit harder now. And the excitement that you would get from – because take a game like Auburn a few weeks after Clemson on the road. It's a big game. You know, Jordan-Hare Stadium, first-year coach Brian Harson. Georgia will be a favorite, of course. But it's kind of a big game all the way around. But if you lose to Clemson, I mean, recent history shows you that people just don't get that excited about a um, a win in, in a game like that. If if you know you lose the game that fans really wanted, which was the high profile game against Clemson, fair or not, that's just kind of the way that it goes. So I think the Buster brings a pretty good point that that the Georgia Clemson game is 
incredibly important, not because of what it means for Georgia's playoff chances. Georgia's playoff chances are actually more decided than how it fares within the SEC. But in terms of the mood among the fan base around the rest of the season, the level of tension that exists as you head towards those real pivotal SEC games, what happens against Clemson is so big for all that. I think that's an incredible point, and I'm glad that Buster made it. So thanks for being here for our R.S. Andrews podcast, Cool Down Here Today. We certainly appreciate your time. And don't forget, on Twitter, at Dog Nation Daily, if you wish to opine there, or, of course, in the comments section there at the worldfamousdognation.com each and every day. Check out R.S. Andrews online at rsandrews.com. We really appreciate you being a part of our uh, podcast, Cool Down, here today, uh, presented by R.S. Andrews. We'll see you back here Monday for Dog Nation Daily, presented by Kroger. Hope all of you have a great weekend.